open up to the book of Acts. Let's get into this truth that we stand upon. Amen. Let's get into this truth we sing about, this truth that sets men free, this truth that makes us strong and renews our mind from the inside out so that we can give glory to Jesus Christ in everything we do when we live for Him because we cannot live for Him and give Him glory unless the truth is abiding in our heart. Let the truth set us free. Let the truth abide in our hearts. Acts chapter 13, I've been in this chapter for about six weeks, uh, just to let you know. I'm finally finishing it. I just want to give a synopsis of the end of this chapter here. Faith under fire, God's providence. Watch what God can do when we're attacked for our faith. Amen? Only God can do this, and I want to keep an eye on that all the time in the book of Acts. Everything that this Satan throws against the church, everything that devil throws against the truth, does not stop the truth. You cannot hinder the plan of God. Even if it, it will go forward, we'll get a little bruised up. You don't mind getting bruised up for Jesus, do you? No. It's through many tribulations we enter into the kingdom of God. We're going to get bruised up a little bit. But we smile on the inside every time we do. This is a wonderful message. I'm excited to preach it. Uh, I've been living it with a couple of my brothers in Christ this past two weeks whose faith have been under fire. And it just happens to be by God's coincidence, which we know there isn't, divine providence, that we're in this text today. Let's go to verse 42, I think it is there. Luke writes, As they went out, the people begged, that's Paul and Simon, Paul and Barnabas, that these things might be told them the next Sabbath. And after the meeting of the synagogue broke up, many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who as they spoke to them, urged them to continue in the grace of God. The next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. But the Jews saw that the crowds saw the crowds and they were filled with jealousy. And began to contradict what's spoken by Paul, reviling him. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you, since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. Behold, we are turning to the Gentiles, for so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many were appointed to eternal life believed, and the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. But the Jews incited the devout women of high standing, and the leading men of the city stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas, and drove them out of their district. But they shook off the dust from their feet against them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father God, we desire to be filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. We desire to know more of the gospel. I can only imagine how they begged Paul and Barnabas to come back and speak to them about the grace of God. I thank you, O oh God, that we're not just saved by grace, but by your great mercy, you give us understanding of grace. Father, I pray that you breathe upon this message, Father God. Give life, Father God. 
Help me to articulate these spiritual truths that are before us, God, so that we too, here today, under persecution of our faith by family members and by this nation we live in, are so unfortunately, God, that we can be filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' precious name. Faith under fire. There's a subtitle I like to bring out here that helps us understand what God ordains... God sustains. Can you say that with me? What God ordains, God sustains. If God plans something to take place, guess what? It will take place. That's what it means by ordained. And what he ordained to take place, after it takes place, no matter how much persecution comes by, God will sustain. And that's what we have going on. And we'll get into the text and hopefully and prayerfully you can maybe identify with your own life as we share our faith so many times and people are perplexed and people don't understand and you know some people come close, some people attack, some people don't, some people doubt, some people are indifferent. Uh, but in any case, you can rest assured that no matter what the world or Satan throws at us in our faith, we'll still be here tomorrow and the word of God will spread. Amen? Nothing can stop the word of God. Faith under fire, what God ordains, he sustains. It's no mystery that the world we live in is growing increasingly, please hear me, increasingly intolerant of Christian doctrine. I want you to listen. Though many say they believe in Jesus, isn't that true? It seems that actions speak louder than words, and we're going to see that in our text tonight. It's here. I'll bring it out when we get into it. When we get into the text, people don't mind speaking about Jesus or even singing about Jesus. You can sing about it. people don't mind that, but when you start to explain what Jesus taught, that's when things get out of hand. They don't. They, they don't mind Jesus. Just leave his gospel somewhere else. Don't tell me. Don't explain to me why Christ came and why I have to repent to put my faith in. And often, it looks like the adversity is so intense, and that's what's in going on in our text tonight, we read it. The adversity to Paul and Barnabas, a new convert, was so intense, you would think that a new convert should never believe. They'd be out of your mind to believe in Jesus. But the Bible shows that not only true believers continue to believe, because they're sustained, because God ordained it, they flourish spiritually with joy and comfort. That's what's going on here tonight. We'll show it later on as we get into this. Why is this? How can this be? Why would Paul and these new converts or us today find joy and comfort in the face of such animosity to our faith? Why? Well, as I said, if God ordains you to eternal life, then God will sustain you with joy and comfort in the most challenging times. And right now, you should be saying, praise God. Praise God. Listen, you are looking at a man that will not stop sharing his faith. I love sharing faith in Christ. I love making friends. I love listening to people and getting to know people and spending time with people. I enjoy that. I enjoy and I enjoy showing them Jesus Christ in action in deed and in word. I really enjoy that. But sometimes it doesn't go all that well. And 
people attack us for our faith. But it's not going to stop us. Because I know God's behind the whole thing. Amen? Amen. When you know God sustains everything he's ordained, you will have a quiet confidence to no matter what, under severest persecution, to kick the dust off your feet and just go somewhere else. Because nothing's going to stop the word of God. Can you talk to someone into enjoying? Listen, a little rhetorical question. Can you or I talk someone into enjoying being rejected? Come follow me and I'm going to show you how the world's going to hate you. That's something I want to sign up for. But that's what Jesus told his disciples in John 14, 15, and 16. Can you talk someone into be, enjoy being hated or even threatened with death? I mean, enjoy it. Get giddy. Like, this is great. I'm a Christian. Everybody hates me. Praise God. Can you talk someone into that? Absolutely not. You can talk men into many strange things, but they're not going to do that. And unfortunately, many times from even the ones we love the most, and that's in the text tonight. I'll bring it out. But Luke is writing many years after the event we just read. This is an historian's outlook. He's, he's going back in time, and he's looking at the whole thing, and he's charting as an historian. This has taken place somewhat about 15 years earlier than Luke's actual writing. Even in his day, 15 years later after the incident, this church was still rejoicing. That's why Paul wrote the book of Galatians. Because this church that's under fire is still there. It's suffering a little bit theologically, and Paul has to write a letter to Galatians to straighten out some understanding of what it means to be saved by grace. But it's still there. It's still operating. They're still loving Christ. Under persecution, they make no doubt. God ordained it. God's going to sustain it through the worst of times. Simple as that. God has ordained you to alert eternal life. It's his job to sustain you. He birthed you spiritually. It's God's job as a parent to watch over you. And the Holy Spirit, guess what? Does a perfect job of it. God's going to lose you? Where's Brian? I knew him before the foundations of the world. I ordained him to life. I sent the Savior to die for every one of his sins. I filled him with the Holy Spirit. I gave him the gift of the Holy Spirit, the guarantee of the Holy Spirit, the seal of the Holy Spirit, the pledge of the Holy Spirit, and now he's going to lose me? I heard somewhere, I read somewhere, that I'm written in his hands, and no one could snatch me out of those hands. So no matter what the world throws at me, guess what? I'm going to stand victorious because we're more than conquerors and nothing separates us from the love of God that's found in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we have the text to encourage us in our faith, not to confound us or to confuse us. I need to be encouraged. I'm a witnessing Christian. By the end of the week, I need to get back with my people who I love and who love me and encourage one another. What I need and what you need in life, spiritually, is what another believer can give you through the word of God. That's it. I need you guys. I look forward to be recalibrating every Thursday night in prayer, every Sunday night in fellowship, every Monday night at the men's group, everybody I meet during the week. I love that. I'm encouraged, I'm recalibrated, I can go back out, and as we sang, I can live for him. The answer to these questions are found in the word ordained. 
And as I just said, if God has ordained you to eternal life, God will sustain you through the worst of times. Please understand that. That should give you much hope today because this is not about a feeling. Please hear me, church. If you're a Christian man, a Christian woman, please understand something. We don't live by feelings. We live by the fact of the promises of God. His promises are yea and amen to all those who are in Christ Jesus. You can be feeling so low today, so down today, so confused today, so hopeless today. But we don't go by that. The word of God sets us free and puts our feet on solid ground. God will not leave us nor forsake us for a season. You might tarry at night in tears, but rejoicing comes in the morning. You can rest assured that God will pull through for you. And this sustaining is not always characterized by nail-biting experiences. Uh, uh, how are you, Pastor? Uh, uh, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing okay. I'm just getting by. All right. But two, four years later, you're just getting by? No. That's not Christianity 101. God sustains us with joy and with comfort through the worst of times. The time can come and say, how's it going? I don't know. He slayed me, but I'm going to still believe in him. It makes no difference. I don't know. Life is crazy. It's no good. But I love the Lord and I'm happy. This is not some pie in the sky theology. This is Christian experience. And I'm here to encourage everyone in here from the text today that no matter what we're going through, God will sustain you. Because God's promised to sustain you. You are his son. You are his daughter. It is my job as the pastor to remind you of these things. And not in some nail-biting experience, but being so close to God that you can actually sense what Jesus said. I'll give to you joy, not as the world gives. I'll give to you, and nobody will take it away. That's an experience. Let me give you some theology about the book of Acts. When I opened up the book of Acts about a year and a half ago, I entitled our introduction, excuse me, into this book, The Gates of Hell Will Not Prevail. Now, if anybody here is a student of the book of Acts, you know it's the spread of the gospel. It's the first 30 years of gospel ministry. Christ has ascended into heaven. He has commissioned uh, his, his apostles. He has filled them with the Holy Ghost. They're filled with dunamis. They're filled with power on high. What? To go out and tell a hostile world that God loves them. And the book of Acts covers about the first 30 years of that witness. And it does it very well. It charts the whole missionary journeys of Paul. Three times he goes around the Mediterranean world preaching the gospel. Churches are formed. Pagans are coming into the Christian church. They're turning from, from false idols to the one true and living God. Things are really, really happening. And when you go through the book of Acts, you see everything man and Satan can throw against the young church. And guess what? It still thrives. Do you know why you're here today? Do you know why you're here today worshiping God? Because what Jesus told Peter, the gates of hell will not prevail. God ordained you to life, and 2,100 years later, he'll make sure those he ordained will hear the message of eternal. Nothing can stop God's hand. Listen to this. I want to, I want to share something. 
Acts is about the spirit of Christianity. We know that in the ancient world. Even under the severest persecution. I want to give you a principle here. I want to go to the, uh, the fifth chapter. I'm going back into the fifth chapter. And I want to read something about this. Again, what God ordains, God sustains. This is an encouraging message that God is not finished with us yet. Amen? Amen. Do you remember what Paul told the Philippians? Can you remember your text? He who what? Began a good work in you, will be faithful to complete it, yes, even to the coming of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> I take that to heart. Listen to chapter 5, verse, verse 40. So, under persecution. And when they had called the apostles, they beat them. Does that get your attention? And charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus. And then they let them go. Then they left the presence of the council. What were they doing? Rejoicing. <sighs> After getting beaten for Jesus. Well, what do you know? These aren't people walking out like, oh, I'll never speak about Jesus. They're rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name of Jesus Christ. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that Christ is Jesus. They weren't just rejoicing. They could care less what men say. They could care less what Satan said. They were going to do the very thing they were called to do as apostles. Teach and preach the faith. Go into all the country, go into all the world, making disciples. And not just that, but do it happily. Do it joyfully. Do it, do it with childlike simplicity. Proclaim Christ no matter what people think. No matter what people say. Listen to Acts 16, 22. A little more of the same situation going on here. Here's Paul again. He's constantly getting beat up, this guy. Listen. <laughs> the crowd joined in attacking them. And the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison, not the outer prison, and fastened their feet in the stocks. They couldn't go nowhere. About midnight, Paul and Silas were doing what? Praise God. What God ordains, God sustains. God sustains. Does this look like two people white-knuckling it in jail? Does this look like two people thinking, maybe I got a little biased remorse in here. Maybe I shouldn't have become an apostle. Maybe I shouldn't have took that ad out and said, oh, yeah, apostles wanted by a man named Jesus of Galilee. You know, maybe I'll sign up for the job. There's no biased remorse over here. Listen to this. And about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying. After they were beaten, after they were thrown shackles, after they were thrown into the inner prison, they were singing hymns to God. And guess what? The prisoners were listening to them. You know why? Because God wanted them there. It's all ordained by God. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer awoke and saw the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prison had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. 
And the jailer called for the lights and rushed in and trembling with fear, he fell down before the prisoner Paul and the prisoner Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Does this look like a God who's not in control of the kingdom? Does this look like a God who's not in control of the gospel? Does this look like a God who cannot sustain his apostles under the most severest tests? Is this not a God who cannot sustain you and me in the worst times and trials of our life? This is God. He's not just delivering them. He's using them in the worst of times to bring other people to faith in Christ. You can't make this up. You can't read this anywhere else. This is the love of God. And there's a good chance that the jailer was one of those who afflicted pain on Paul and Silas. And here he is, bowing down in fear and trembling at these two apostles saying, what must I do to be saved? What a change of circumstances. How many of you and I would love to get out of a tough circumstance? Real quick. We have to learn, and I'll develop this as we go through. We have to learn to see what God's doing in the tough times. Who's God leading to salvation through my tribulations? I'm crying. But is someone else going to be rejoicing? Because my sufferings are leading other people to Christ? That's what's happening here. They're rejoicing. They're singing. They're praying. That means they had to be witnessing the gospel. How could this jailer say, what must I do to be saved? Unless somewhere he heard a saving message. God not only sustains what he ordains, but he uses their hardships for the welfare of others. You remember 2 Corinthians chapter 1? Remember God of all comfort and the God of all mercy. How God comforts us in all our troubles and afflictions so that in return is a dividend. That in return we can comfort other people. God redeems challenges of life. Anybody here going through a challenge? Have you ever gone through a challenge? God redeems these things and he changes us from the inside out and he uses these circumstances and situations in supernatural ways. Look for God doing something supernatural in the worst of times. I'm I'm here to tell you that. In the worst of times, maybe being challenged by your faith, maybe you're being persecuted, maybe you're going through something in life, but look, who's God bringing into your life? Is it the jailer? It gets better. That's good enough. We can close the Bible and say, let's go home and rejoice. But no, listen. Listen to what Paul says in Philippians. I'm going to give you two verses in chapter 1, then one verse in chapter 4. And I'll explain. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me, he's been arrested. Okay? He's arrested and he's in jail. That's what's happened. This is another time he's jailed. Paul's always getting beat up. He's always getting thrown in jail. He's not looking for hotels. He's going to the first jail. That's what John MacArthur says. Listen, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Think about that. 
I'm in jail. I'm suffering. Let me take a moment. I witnessed to my brother for years. But he loved to be the happy-go-lucky Charlie drug addict. For years. Told him about the Lord, told him about the Lord. He gave some yeses. But then he got locked up. And guess whose cell they put my brother in? The jailhouse preacher. And for a year, he had to listen to this guy tell him about Jesus. And he came out converted. Praise God. He wouldn't listen to me. But God gets people in a place where you can't go nowhere. And you have to listen to him. And he got saved. Praise the Lord. But this is what's going on. Listen, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Don't feel sorry for me. This great thing's happening in jail while I'm here. So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial God. Listen. And to all the rest, that my imprisonment is for Christ. Listen to how he clothes. He doesn't give any clarity on that. But we get a little hint of it in the, the last chapter. Verse 21, he says this. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. While Paul was in jail in the imperial guard, he witnessed to everybody. You couldn't shut him up. You can lock him up, but you couldn't shut him up. You can try to serve, you can try to lock up the servant of God, but the gospel is so free and it's always powerful. And wherever it goes, it brings salvation with it. God ordained the whole thing. It's incredible. Persecution is no match for God's ordaining providence and His sustaining ability. Other men would have crumbled and fell apart. I was preaching in Arizona. I met a woman. At this time, she's probably in her middle 70s. Beautiful woman of God. Quiet, soft-spoken, but horribly disfigured. Horribly. And I found out after I got to know her in the sweet spirit that her husband was a pastor and they had two children. They were driving a car, had a car accident. The whole family burned to death but her. She's the only one who survived. Her two children and her husband were lost. She survived, but about 90% of her body was burned, her face. After healing, God used and still uses this woman today to bring comfort to other people. She's the go-to person in her church for prayer and for comfort. She's the go-to person. She prays for me constantly. She prays for this ministry constantly. She's an intercessor and a prayer warrior. God has given her the sustaining ability because God has ordained her to eternal life. And through the worst of tragedies, and only God understands, he's using this to minister to the whole body of Christ. Don't get in the way of God. Really, don't get in the way of God. God can do things through our suffering that we can never comprehend or imagine. Listen to 2 Thessalonians. Now, I want you to know this church that Paul's writing to here is about three months old. That's it. 
Paul preached to this church about three months earlier. They weren't in the church. It was a synagogue. Paul went and preached. And listen what happened three months later. We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right. Because your faith is growing abundantly. And the love for everyone, for one another, is increasing. Therefore, we ourselves boast in you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions and afflictions that you are enduring. Paul could have stepped back and said, you know, I really feel bad for you guys. You know, I came and I preached the gospel to you and now you're being attacked the way they attacked me. Now they're attacking you and I really apologize. You know, I'm so sorry. You know, I'm so sorry you're going through this. No, not Paul. Right. I'm not sorry. No. It comes with the territory. It's through much tribulation that we enter into the kingdom of God. He's giving thanks on the contrary. He's not apologizing. He's giving thanks to God. He's watching God sustain that which he has ordained. He's he's like, this is mind-blowing. This is wonderful. And you're not just getting by. You're increasing in love for one another. And your faith is growing abundantly. Who wants to grow in Christ? Don't raise your hand. Who wants their faith to grow in Christ? Sometimes we need a good dose of persecution. Sometimes we need to stand up, face the music, and say, no, I live for Christ, not this world. And that's what baptism is. When you get water baptized, we have the blessing today, the blessing of a young man who just came to faith not more than two months ago, tops. And, and as soon as he told people he was getting water baptized, guess what? Satan was unleashed. And with dignity and poise, he spoke to his family. He got water baptized this morning. A bunch of the brothers, we got together. We marched down there. The water was freezing. We water baptized him. He's going into Marines right now as we're speaking. He's on his way to Paris Island. Keep him in your prayers. But this is what happens. You can't stop God. You cannot stop God. His faith was growing. His love is increasing. This is what happened. And guess what? Paul is sitting back as the boastful pastor, the boastful apostle. He's not boasting in himself. He's boasting in the sustaining power of Almighty God. Understand something. We're going to get into application. Are your parents here today? You want to know this message. If you're a pastor, you want to know this message. If you're a Christian man, a Christian woman who shares your faith, you want to know this message. No emotional knee-jerk reactions or some type of unqualified spiritual warfare of tearing down the devil's kingdom and and going through battle with the demons. In the evil day, Paul says, stand. Stand and trust what God has already said. Stand. If you want to do damage to Satan's rule, just tell people the good news. Christ has already defeated him. That's why the church is here. The church is here not to defeat Satan. The church is here because Christ already defeated him at the cross of Calvary. If you hold on to a different view, please sit back. 
Think about it. Contemplate. Can I possibly chase the evil man away? And you and I capable of going into the strong man's house, binding up the strong man, and stealing his goods? Only Christ could do that. Satan took down Adam, a flawless, sinless, created in the image of God man. Took him down like that. He took down all of Israel. He took down David. He took down better men and women than you and me. And when he came across the Son of God, Jesus took him out with four verses of Scripture. That's it. Christ bound up Satan. Now the church's job is to tell everybody else that Christ has come to set the captive free. The gospel sets men free from the bondage of Satan. Tell them the good news. How's that for an introduction? Let me close with some observations. Let's go to our text. What I did just now was show you principles. But I want to go to the text now and close with some observations. Verse 48. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many were appointed to eternal life, they believed. Always know that the suffering for Christ, remember, always know that the suffering for Christ in any way will always have spiritual dividends. Let me ask you this. We might suffer, but others go home rejoicing. Is it worth suffering that other people can hear the word? Is it worth to suffer? I'm talking to parents now. Is parenting easy? In this world today, is raising a godly child easy? It takes all effort to do it. It's the same thing with Christianity. It takes all our effort. But yet, when you hear a child grow up in a respectful manner, when you hear, yes, mom, yes, dad, yes, ma'am, Yes, sir. It warms my heart to see that. It warms my heart to see a child that was groomed by caring parents. It takes work. There's nothing like hearing someone say after we open up the doors in 10 years this this month is our 10th anniversary as a church. And I can look around and I see people set free here. Though we've been attacked for 30 years as Christians and we labored for the Lord for 30 years. John Verdi, Pastor John for 40 years. Me and my wife for 30. Kimmy for 30 years. I know this here for 30 years. Understand something. When I look around and I see the people God has brought through the doors and be set free and they're rejoicing, I'll take all the suffering. Give it to me. As long as other people know the freedom of Christ. That's it. Listen to verse 49. And the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. Nothing can stop God's word concerning salvation for sinners. The power to save is inherited in the message, not the messenger. All we have to do is carry the message. Even in the worst circumstances, God will save. You don't have to do anything. Share the message and love the sinner. God does the rest. Listen to verse 50. But the Jews incited the devout woman of high standing and the leading men in the city. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of the district. Listen, these are agitators. Let's think about this church. You've got to remember something as I've been preaching out of this text. One Saturday Sabbath in the synagogue, two men show up. 
One name is Paul, the other name is Barnabas. They've never seen them before. Paul at this point has got this malaria, disfigurement in his eyes. The book of Galatians says it was because of an eye ailment I came to you. It was so bad you wanted to rip out your own eyes and give them to me. I'm only there because I was there to, to, to convalesce. I was hurting. I had malaria. My eyes were messed up. I had to get over to the seaport. I had to get into the high country. I had to get to where the cooler weather was and, and, and to heal. And while I was there, I came to the Sabbath because that's what a Jew does. And guess what they asked him? Do you have an encouraging word from the Lord? You're going to ask the Apostle Paul, do you have an encouraging word of the Lord? What do you think Paul did? He got up and preached to him that Christ has come. And hearts were filled. In this synagogue that met century after century, all of a sudden were separated. The goats and the sheep. There were those who truly believed, and then there were those who truly persecuted. The turmoil. These people congregated, if not for years, for decades together. And it was all okay until the word of God showed up. And when the word of God showed up, it separated people. The word of God always separates the truth from the false. The wheat from the chaff. The light from the darkness. Always. And guess what? After Paul and Barnabas left... They got chased out. Who do you think these leading women and leading men, these agitators, who do you think they went after? The newborn church. But guess they had no power over it. Because what God has ordained, God sustains. So what do you got to do sometimes? Verse 51, but they shook off the dust from their feet. And they went to another location. Understand something. There are times where we simply have to realize that some people's hearts and minds are so closed, we just have to turn in another direction and go to other people. That's all we can do. Doesn't mean we don't pray for them, we don't care for them, but there's nothing we can do. If God can't open someone's eyes, guess what? You're not going to do it. And verse 52, and I love this. No matter what was happening, the disciples were filled with joy with the Holy Spirit. Just like our apostles who were beaten, just like our apostles who were imprisoned, they were always singing psalms, they were always witnessing, they were always rejoicing. Nothing could stop them because what God has ordained, God will sustain. I'm telling you right now, wherever you are in your life, whatever you're going through in your life, God has called you to be a child and a son and a daughter of God. He'll sustain you through every circumstance of your life. If you're being persecuted for the faith by family members or friends or anybody else, God will sustain you. But the principles are staying. No matter what we're going through in life, God will sustain you. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. I've gone on too long. Father, I ask you to bless the word. Bless your people. Let us leave rejoicing. Let us leave in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Let us sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and make a melody in our heart. Let us be praying in the worst of times. Let us be telling people in the worst of times. Don't worry, it's not for me. Don't worry about me. It was for the advancement of the gospel. It's for the glory of God. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to think about that moment and as we get ready to take communion. Where does this message find you in life? Could, you, could the ushers come up?
Where does the message find us tonight? What's going on in our lives? What's trying to steal the joy? I want to ask you, do you have the joy of the Lord? Is something trying to steal the joy? Is it temptation? Is it a weakness of the flesh? Is it regrets from the past? Is it, is it fear of the future? What's going on? Bring it to God. And say this, God, you've ordained me to life. I know you will sustain me through every situation of life. Father, I ask you to bless the elements as we partake as a family, Father God. Let it be a witness that we love Christ and we trust in Christ. And with all eyes closed, please, this is a sacred moment. If you've never truly ever accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you want forgiveness, I want you to participate. And as you participate, let this be your first genuine Holy Communion ever, where you take it with a heart of faith. And thank Jesus Christ for dying for your sins. And make a commitment to him to live for him as you take the elements. If you don't have that, just wait for a better time when you really feel like you've committed yourself to the Lord.